This is the Shape America podcast, hosted by Colin Brooks and Matt Pomeroy, making 50 million strong by 2029. Welcome to the Shape America podcast, What's in Your Action Pack Edition, and I'm your host, Stephanie Sandino. This is our new series that we're actually launching with um, special guest speakers from around the nation. And really, the idea of the action pack came around back in the summertime when I was getting mentally ready to go back to school. My mind kind of created this vision of a backpack, and inside that backpack, I have different tools that I bring to school. Um, The tools, both concrete and abstract, make up stuff that help me as an educator and as a person grow as well, as well as my students chasing down their red rubber ball. So tonight, I'm really excited to be sharing the evening with an awesome fellow educator who is also based here in California, um, Kimberly O'Hara. Now, without further ado, Kimberly, why don't we start off with you telling us a little bit about yourself? Thank you, Stephanie, for having me here. And thank you uh, for Shape American, all that you do for advocacy and 50 million strong and really uh, inspiring health and PE educators out there. Uh, my name is Kimberly O'Hara, and I am from Huntington Beach, California. I teach um, in the Huntington Beach Union High School District. This is my 11th year in the district and my 12th year teaching overall. I teach ninth grade health at Ocean View High School. This year, I'm teaching three periods of regular health, one hybrid online health course, one co-teaching health course. Before I became a full-time health teacher at Ocean View High School, I taught one full year of middle school PE grades 6th, 7th, and 8th, and then five years of high school PE and an ROP class um, sports medicine course. Um, currently, I serve as a vice president for health at CAPERT, and I also serve on the legislative committee for uh, CAPERT um, for health with Brent Powell. Awesome. Now, we actually aren't very, very far from each other. And we've kind of talked here and there and, you know, have found some like places that we've grown up in. So that's really awesome that you are a fellow Californian and um, excited to see you in Oakland next year. Um, That'd be very awesome to finally meet in person. Um, I think I saw you maybe from afar in San Diego, but uh, finally just, you know, having some conversation would be so awesome. Now, um, you are both phys ed and health or you you were phys ed and now you're full on health. How has that, you know, how has that been hand in hand? I mean, they, they're both really important to each other and how is it like to go from phys ed to health and, um, how do you incorporate phys ed into your health classes now? Stephanie, it's so exciting to know there's other like-minded, connected educators in SoCal and uh, that are willing to grow and learn every day. 
I really look forward to meeting you in person at Capebird in fe February in Oakland and uh, definitely continuing uh, meaningful conversations about health and phys ed. The transition from phys ed to health was definitely a natural progression for me being that I majored in athletic training. I had a lot of content knowledge from medical emergencies to the different body systems, first aid, CPR, and nutrition. I was definitely looking to share my passion in the health classroom. So I definitely was really excited to go in and teach it. I really do missing, miss teaching PE. I miss all the games and the giggling and the fun and the fitness and the competitiveness of all the different activities we used to do in PE. It was such a great time. I have an amazing colleague, Tawny Davis, that I work with, and um, she was uh, actually phys ed, uh, our teacher of the year at our school two years ago. I still incorporate phys ed into my health classes by helping the students set fitness SMART goals. Uh, during nutrition, we calculate body fat percentage and the students learn how uh, many uh, macronutrients such as carbs, fat, and protein based on their activity level, age, and, and uh, body fat percentage. Uh, I teach the students how to make small lifestyle changes when it comes to their diet. I discuss finding joy in the lifetime uh, of fitness and, and movement. I model. I show them. I went snowboarding last weekend. I climbed Mount Baldy in the winter. Um, I, I, I work out with them. I run on the track during lunch um, or I jump in the fitness lab and all the kids are like, hey, I see you. So, um, yeah, I really do miss the phys ed aspect for sure. Uh, the only thing I do not miss about PE is the sun. <laughs> yes, and there's the sun. Yeah, those days can be pretty rough, um, but... I, I'm so happy that, you know, you've been able to do both and you've found that that awesome transition and have excelled so much in health ed. And, you know, I want to congratulate you for becoming California Health Ed Teacher of the Year. Um, it's amazing. Kudos to you and everything you've done um, in your career and for your kids. And it's just it's so awesome to see California being represented and just, you know, having a spotlight our teachers out here in the West Coast. So I can't, I can't, you know, say how proud I am to be talking to you here tonight. And um, with that being said, jumping right into you and health ed, um, tell us a little bit about what is your goal or maybe some of the goals you have for this school year that you've mapped out. Thank you so much, Stephanie. I'm definitely humbled by the award and honored, and I will continue to share what I do on Twitter and Boxer and any way I can uh, to help encourage others uh, to, you know, do what's right um, and best for kids especially when it comes to health literacy. Learning every day and reflecting every day is really important for me. I'm definitely humbled by my PLN on Twitter and Voxer. 
that reach so many health experts in our field. And I will continue to connect and uh, share and learn with the resources that we have. I have a lot of goals this year for my health classes, and they are all so different based on the needs of each individual student and class. One main goal I'm working on uh, this semester is transitioning from content-based health skills to to skills-based health. I'm slowly making the transition. Last year, I started off just doing some interpersonal communication skills, activities, goal setting, And the big project that I didn't have set up was the advocacy project. It's a semester-long PBL advocacy project. With the help of Andy Milne and Claudia Brown, I'm now jumping all the way in thanks to the help of them and also Sarah Benes and Holly Aprin and so many other health experts out there uh, sharing what they do to unpack that the seven essential health skills that align with the eight national health standards. I have a long way to go, but I have to start somewhere. I'm really making sure my students leave my class health literate individuals, and I want to make sure that my teaching is relevant and meaningful. That's so awesome. And I I mean, we both met Andy uh, last year in San Diego and as well, both Andy's actually, Andy Milne and Andy Horn. So that must've been, you know, really awesome for you, whether you, you know, connected with them before, but met them for the first time last year. That's, that's really awesome. Um, but if you can talk to us a little bit more about what the difference is between content-based health versus skills-based health and how you want to move forward with skills-based health and tell us a little bit, you know, paint us a picture of what that really is and what that looks like in health ed. That would be so awesome. I'm I'm like pumped to hear about this. Yes, super stoked to meet both health rock stars, Andy Milne and Andy Horn at Capered last year in San Diego. To see Andy Horn perform his health literacy rap live was so amazing. Should definitely check it out. Um, it It's the, it's, the best. You got to listen to it. I want to share it with all the parents at Back to School Night. I played in my class. It's so awesome. I am constantly inspired by both Andes, and I will definitely continue to learn and grow from them on a daily basis. Uh, when I think of a content-heavy health curriculum, I think of my student teaching days with the master teacher teaching the students content, quizzing the students on content knowledge with minimal skill practice. We know that when we implement a skills-based health approach, it is relevant to their lives and it's a hands-on participatory uh, approach to get the students to develop those skills, attitudes, and that functional knowledge to lead healthier lives. When we del- when we just deliver content and facts and don't practice the skills to apply it to their life, we know based on research, this doesn't always transfer to behavior change. What we do know is when someone has the information and we can practice a skill, they will gain the self-confidence to execute a behavior change. And in return, the person is more likely to make that change. Self-efficacy is the belief in oneself uh, to execute a behavior change and having that confidence to set that goal and really follow through with it. 
when we foster practice in our classroom, um, the kids hopefully will walk away uh, with more health literate skill set uh, to live a healthier life. In my classes, I use a variety of uh, participatory methods. For example, we do interpersonal communication skills and dialogues throughout the semester. During nutrition, students show me how to calculate grams of sugar into teaspoons on video. Students show me how to cook a healthy snack or meal based on my plate. When discussing drugs, we practice refusal skills. When studying relationships, students learn how to make a safety plan, how to safely break up with someone if they're abusive, and then how to help a friend in need if yeah, their friend is in an abusive relationship. So these are all skills that they can really apply uh, to their lives. I would like to get more into case studies. Uh, I just haven't really, really dug deep. So if anyone wants to reach out to me and like help me, that would be amazing. Uh, storytelling can be powerful, especially if you share from your own experience. Today, I invited the librarian in to help the students practice assessing valid and reliable resources for their advocacy projects. In my opinion, this is the most crucial skill and that it needs to be taught first and throughout the semester or if you're lucky to have that year-long health course. So jealous. Out of the seven skills on decision-making, assessing valid information, analyzing influences, interpersonal communication, goal-setting, and advocacy, self-management is probably my weakest link. So I, I have a lot of work to do, but you got to start somewhere, small baby steps. I'm definitely learning every day. Uh, throwing things out, adding things in, uh, turning to uh, my PLN on Voxer and on Twitter and uh, just reaching out to people and um, asking for, you know, what, what, what do you do that makes it engaging and what do you, how are you teaching the skill? Uh, just constantly reflecting and improving each semester and each and every day. Wow, that sounds incredible. And it's it's also transferable to, you know, phys ed and all of the other subjects across the board and even taking it outside of school and into their lives. It's just so valuable for all of those skills to be learned. And that's so great to hear that you're doing that. And like anything else, when you're, you're trying something new, it's always, you know, it feels like a risk, but um, definitely necessary to, to take it to the next level. So I'm sure this is going to be a really good step for you and you're going to just, you know, have fun with it. Um, and speaking of risk taking and kind of going in that direction, what's something new that you might be experimenting with this year um, apart from that skills-based health um, approach. Thanks, Stephanie. Uh, yeah, it is a risk, but it's what's best for kids. And that's what I always try to bring it back to is making sure uh, my material is relevant and that the kids can actually walk away with the skills, hopefully, to live a happier, healthier life. Um, something that I'm experimenting uh, this year is 
really getting the students out of the classroom, moving more, uh, the kinesthetic piece, um, and then collaborating with other classes, uh, that cross-curricular piece. Um, for example, uh, we're going to walk to uh, Central Park, which is like right across the street from my high school, and I invited the uh, wellness counselor, and she's going to lead us through like a med meditation, mindfulness uh, day. Um, another uh, activity that I would like to do in my classes that I'm planning right now with the foods and nutrition teacher is I'm going to go on a field trip to Stater Brothers, which is like right across the uh, street uh, from our school. Uh, before that, the students are going to be put into groups of four with like half the cooking kids and half my health kids. And um, we're going to talk about my plate and like balancing uh, your, your plate with lots of variety of color. Um, they're going to create a healthy snack or small meal representing uh, my plate and then um, their snack or meal should be like in season that's a uh, local um, and then they're gonna go to the, we're actually gonna go to the grocery store do a really quick scavenger hunt inside the market and then um, we're gonna buy the ingredients that fit their budgets that they set and then the following class we're gonna create that healthy snack or meal um, one teaching strategy that I'm incorporating more this semester, being that I'm teaching a, a co-teaching class uh, with special ed, um, is um, like basically like stations. So um, I find this station model for teaching strategy like really helpful. I, I do it. I did a lot for nutrition and I do it for first aid. I do a mock disaster day with first aid skills. And um, last year I added a contraceptive lab um, uh, station rotation and the feedback and the questions that the kids asked me were so amazing. I, I would never go back where I, we just like sit in the circle and pass the contraceptive methods around. Um, when they get to each like see the see the contraceptive method they get to like read the directions they get to touch it they get to ask questions it's pretty awesome um, way to incorporate um, learning this way how cool is that that's that's very very cool now I mean actually that's that's a real life situation you know walking into a grocery store and really just preparing a snack like that happens and they're gonna you know grow up and remember that and I hope that that's something that they take away and carry with them and hopefully instill for the rest of their lives that's that's really something that's great and I mean I do this I do it in a in a small scale in the sense that a lot of times they go to the grocery store and just grab really anything that you know, tastes good, they really like, but they don't really stop and see the nutritional effects and may not even know how to read those. So um, one of my actually medical assignments or, you know, students that can't participate for whatever reason, um, they have like a, a nutrition fact sheet on a particular snack and it it goes through steps with them as far as how many grams of sugar does this have, how many teaspoons of sugar does, you know, it equate out to be, how many calories. Um, it just takes them through steps to look at some of the main points 
um, serving size, portion size, how many am I actually really eating? So that's really cool that you, you've really taken it, taken it to the next level and have them go out and, um, look for things inside a real life grocery store. So that's a huge kudos. That's very cool. And I just wanted to comment on that. Um, uh, stations. Stations are great. I love stations, even out in phys ed. And I'm sure you, when you were teaching phys ed, you use stations uh, more than one time. And it's it's fantastic. It just opens um, the door for many possibilities. And even for you to go around and really interact with students. And, you know, I have huge classes and stations and as well as just breaking up my kids into small groups allows me that like freedom to really walk around and see what's going on and ask those questions and you know interact with them and really observe what's going on within their team so I I love that it's it's great yeah stations allow uh like you said for that like personal connection with the kids and it's really all about the relationships uh that you're building in your classroom and yeah when you're able to have more individualized teaching um for sure those kids are going to remember exactly what uh, this discussion was or the activity and hopefully they'll transfer uh whatever we're working on to hopefully their real life Absolutely agree. Now, on the subject of real life, um, we're we're all really busy people, and you're really busy, um, you know, doing your your health ed teaching career as well as some side plates with Kbird, and you know, things get piled up on our plates, and it's just reality. So, how do you obtain self care? How do you take care of yourself on a daily basis to really make sure? that you're ready ready to go the next day and you're ready to just be in the moment with your students. Self-care is so important and I always try to make time for self-care, um, especially during the summer, uh, really taking a break uh, from just thinking about uh, school and activities and uh, transitioning from content to skills and really decomposing uh, this last summer. I was able to travel through Europe, um, Croatia and Bosnia and France, and then did some small side trips, but um, really be present with my family. Uh, When I returned in August, um, I felt really refreshed and refueled for the upcoming year. Um, I got super pumped for the school year by attending Phys Ed Summit online in early August. And I have to put in the plug here, if you haven't checked out Phys Ed Summit, it's my first year participating and you should definitely check it out. There's really awesome videos and sessions that are archived that are so inspiring for PE and health educators, demonstrating innovative ideas, activities, lessons um, in our field. And definitely kudos out to Colin and Matt. Uh, for putting all that and everyone else that put it together. Um, So, yeah, coming back to self-care, I remember one of my professors many years ago um, would always ask my kinesiology class, are you worth 60 minutes of physical activity a day? And, of course, like everyone would laugh. They're like, that's a silly question. Of course, we're worth 60 minutes of working out a day, like for a life. And um, so I kind of like took that question she would ask every single class period. Are you worth 60 minutes? It really inspired me to like get out there um, to work 
workout, um, if it's a 20-minute run around my block or on the weekends hiking in my local mountains or training my legs for snowboarding and mountaineering in the winter, yeah, I'm I'm all about fitness goals. Um, kind of comes back to uh, playing competitive soccer and, and um, club soccer and college soccer and then finding that balance in our adult life um, between family work and physical activity, you got to find something that brings you joy. And um, I really like trail runs and hiking in the backcountry. So yeah, def- it helps me reflect on uh, like daily life and life. So I feel like exercise is super therapeutic. Definitely agree. And I, I don't know if we're just biased or I mean, that's why we do what we do, really. Um, so I, I, I'm 100% on the same page with you. I, I love, you know, the adventure and I love just saying yes to all these, all of these different things um, that surround us, whether that be, you know, hiking or, you know, going out on a trail run um, trying to get to, you know, that next hill or just trying to make it to see how far you can go. Um, and like yourself, I'm also a, what I, I would, what I would say an ex soccer player, <laughs> cause I don't, I don't play it anymore. And, um, but I'm, I'm like on the same wavelength. So completely agree. And it helps, it helps me at least, um, in the reflection process of things, you know, it's my way to decompress and it's my way to just let go. And it allows me to clear my mind so that when I'm done with my workout, I'm able to clearly reflect and be present in my reflection of the day of the lesson of, you know, my teaching of, uh, my career of my life and so on and so forth. So, Um, I truly wholeheartedly believe that reflection is like really important in an educator's life and in everything we do really in every aspect of life. So I know for me, I I take a little bit of time every day after school to reflect in my reflection book. So I would love to know how you reflect or how you use a reflection tool um, to really look back onto your teaching and your lessons and your interaction with students and just overall how you reflect um, in your life. I agree, Stephanie. Um, I totally agree with uh, the reflection piece when you're out there on a, a run or a workout and you're you're thinking about your day or your lesson and really um, thinking about how you can change things up, um, how you can make things better. I use reflection um, every single day. I'm constantly reflecting on everything I do in the classroom, every single lesson, activity, project, performance tasks that I do in class. I'm constantly questioning like, um, is this lesson relevant? Does it meet the needs of my students? Does it help my students build a s- skill or does it teach the kids, uh, are we practicing this skill for health literacy? Um, is a lesson activity project engaging? Is it meaningful? Is it culturally relevant? Um, if I can't answer this question, I, it's like 
get it out. And then there's some lessons that, um, for example, um, I started teaching the SMART goal to my co-teaching class and half my kids were deer in headlights. And I'm like, okay, we need to take a step back. And I had to really like model where most kids have already like have known to like set a SMART goal. So I feel like every single class is different. Every period is different. Every kid is different. And um, really, uh, you know, stepping back and, and what works for one person or one class might not work for the next. So definitely um, you're always tailoring your lessons and your activities and projects uh, to meet the needs of your kids. Um, at the end of the year, uh, last day of school, I videotape um, the students reflecting on their favorite lesson, project activity and health. I create a quick video mashup on YouTube and I show the next semester students um, the first or second week of school. Uh, I have the freshmen uh, give advice on incoming ninth graders um, on tips on being a freshman. Um, the the incoming ninth graders really love seeing the sophomore uh, giving advice to them their first few days of school. Uh, the ninth graders coming in, they're usually really nervous. They think they're going to be trashed in it like a trash can. And then when they see my kids like welcoming them on the video and like giving them tips on high school, they really love it. Um, my kids, my sophomore kids didn't like filming it, but my freshman kids really enjoy watching them. Um, another reflection piece piece uh, just to help is the communication with my hybrid online class is uh, Remind 101 and then a student reflection tool that I, I, I am using in full force this year is um, Flipgrid. So um, my students are, are reflecting on different topics um, in Flipgrid and they're demonstrating different skills through that uh, app. Yeah, likewise. I mean, I every period I'm I'm right there trying to switch it up, tweak here and there. I I don't think I I teach the same in every period. There's always something a little bit different or a lot of bit different. Um so, yeah, you're you're spot on when you say, you know, every kid is different, every class is different, every period is different, every year is different. Every, you know, every everything changes. And you just got to roll with the punches and just keep adapting to them, right? So, yeah. And, gosh, smart goals and Flipgrid, that's all so great. And I just got into Flipgrid not too long ago, and it's blown my mind. I've only used it for professional development, but, I, I mean, the things I've seen with Flipgrid being used with students has just been absolutely fantastic. So it's so great that you're exposing your kids to Flipgrid and I hope they're having such a great time with it because it's so fun. Um, it's a different way to, you know, have a voice in class and you can get to those students that may not necessarily always raise their hand or may not necessarily say something all the time. So it's such a great way to just allow students to have that voice. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I I love giving a lot of voice and choice, uh, especially when it comes to my projects, because when the kids can connect uh, with their their project topic, um, it's definitely more meaningful and hopefully it will stick and they can make uh, some good decisions out there in the real world and hopefully it sticks with them and they take the skills they need to be health literate. 
all such important points. And I mean, all I can ever ask for is for, you know, my students to get to 12th grade and say that they can take care of themselves. They can be their, their own little personal trainers and nutritionists. So it's, it's all so great that you're doing that. And um, with that being said, um, I'm going to wrap this up. Uh, This was our first edition of what's in your action pack. A huge, huge, huge thank you to Kimberly O'Hara for joining me tonight and sharing a glimpse of what you're teaching um, with all of us. I mean, you're giving us a kind of inside look into your classroom, and it's just so awesome to get to do this and um, see what other teachers are doing, whether they're in your field, um, what they're teaching is transferable to your field. It's just, I mean, it's all so great. And with that, don't forget to join us next time in the next What's in Your Action Pack. Um, This is Stephanie Sandino, over and out. And like I said again, thank you so much, Kimberly, for being here with us tonight on behalf of Colin, Matt, and I. Um, Thank you. It's been a grand night. Thank you, Stephanie, Matt, and Colin, and Shape America for having me on this podcast tonight. I am honored and humbled by all the work that you are all doing for your schools and for Shape America. The advocacy uh, that you're putting in to 50 Million Strong, I'm loving it. Um, I I listen to your podcast on my uh, daily commute to Huntington Beach. Uh, I love the variety and the different experts around the country you pull from, and I'm continuously inspired to make great changes in the classroom and um, just uh, pumped up for the rest of school year. And um, yeah, can't wait uh, to listen uh, for some more good stuff. 